Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 206. Albert, the MacGuffin has been stolen. The One Player Podcast needs your help. I <laughs> I love that this game, this game has a MacGuffin in it. It does indeed have a MacGuffin. For those of you who haven't already seen the title, today we are going to be reviewing Five Minute Mystery. And That's right. Yes. As mentioned, the idea of the game is that the museum of everything has been robbed and the MacGuffin has been stolen. If you're not familiar with the term MacGuffin, it's a film and arts, I suppose, term for the thing that Mm -hmm. everyone is chasing. And Mm -hmm. they just call it MacGuffin rather than, I suppose, using something else's name. But it's humorous when they do it. Yep. (laughs) And there's a little bit of a history behind it. The MacGuffin was actually popularized by, uh, by uh, what's his name, um, Alfred Hitchcock. He was the one that made the term really popular and all that. Though he didn't invent the MacGuffin. The MacGuffin was made by uh, Angus MacPhail. Now it's gone a bit wider. But focusing now on the five-minute mystery, this is a cooperative game. And it is another of these timed games that I seem to be such a fan of. Mm-hmm. Um, Albert, can you guess how long you have to solve the mystery? Uh, wait, five minutes? This is, like one of those, this is like one of those hundred-year war quizzes. Indeed. By <laughs> default, you do have five minutes, but there's a number of different cases, and some of them may modify the amount of time you get to do things, similar other such and stuff. Um, but in general, yes, you have five minutes to be able to solve the mystery, and the way you're going to be solve the mystery is you're going to be flipping over these... Um, scene cards and in the scene cards is going to be hidden five different icons there's going to be a square triangle circle star and diamond shape and you have to find the shape identify which of five different variants it is plug those into the codex once you have them plugged into the codex you get to grab a clue grab enough clues and you can match those clues to the culprits If you identify the correct culprit, you pause your timer, check and see if you got it correct. If you got it correct, you win. If you do not have it correct, you lose. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) And that is that. Okay, that sounds easy enough. Let us go through our normal rubric, Albert, starting (laughs) with the rules. I I do not know this game. Julius is going to teach me about it and introduce me to see what I think. I will indeed. Um. The rules, again, this is a game that has multiple different cases. And the game recommends that you start off with the simpler cases. In fact, there's an easy, medium, hard, and mastermind set of rules. So if you're starting off with the easiest rules, so again, this is the sort of one that will slowly introduce you to the rules. It won't throw in any of the extra more difficult things like multiple suspects or red herring clues or things like that. Um, Instead, it'll just simply put in one scene, search the scene for the clues and be able to do that. In general, the rules pretty well convey the idea of what it is that you're supposed to do. Some of the components have a unique twist for how they use those things together. And the pictures and the rules help very much bring that idea to life and be able to make you understand how it is that you do it. The pictures clearly convey what it is that you're talking about. I think that probably the only thing that to me is not clear, and I think that's just not clear because it's just a dark picture, um, would be the suspect backgrounds. One of the types of clues is whether or not the culprit, and by the way, these are all animals, in case 
if you didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're anthropomorphic all animals. animals. Anthropomorphic animals, exactly. So one of the clues can be whether or not the culprit has fur, feathers, scales, or skin. For some of the characters, it's not quite obvious whether they have like scales or skin or something. So they've incorporated those into the background pattern of each of the different um, characters so that you can tell by looking at the background, if it's not clear enough, it'll have one of four different patterns to match it up with. And those patterns are in monochrome printed on each of the suspects and can be matched over with the clues themselves. I didn't think those were particularly clear. I didn't even understand quite when I read that in the rules, it, says those words <laughs> and maybe this is just a graphic design issue but even seeing the words and seeing the picture it took me a couple times so i'm like oh now i finally realize what it is it's like one of those magic eye things like, <laughs> once your eye catches it i finally understand what they're talking about did but. you not understand what the words were telling you or did you not were you not able to find the pattern when you looked for it i mean i read the words and i looked at the cards <laughs> i'm like it something is not matching from here to here what am I doing wrong? Now, fortunately, the first time I actually played this game, I played with people who have younger and better eyes than me. So they were immediately able to point <laughs> out, no, daddy, it's right here. Um, so, you know, I was corrected pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Cool. Okay. So that is all about the rules. Albert, let's talk about the theme. Um, the idea of the theme, as Albert mentioned, is hilarious. That's the idea that there's this MacGuffin or even multiple MacGuffins that have been stolen from the Museum of Everything. It's an oddball theme with anthropomorphic animals. Keeps me in mind of like classic Disney cartoons, things like that. Um, it continues mm-hmm. to push the theme, although all of the action is not really present in the game itself. When you're trying to solve clues, it's all abstracted because somehow your clue is just which of the symbols you find that are here. I guess the idea that is happening is that when you find all the symbols, that means that essentially you have found a clue in that location, like a discarded piece of a handbag or a glasses, a glasses screw or a feather or who knows what. And that by finding the, the clue icons, you've essentially found it in whatever role play environment it is that you're thinking of. Past that, I think just all of the art and the style of it helps bring home a very, you know, anthropomorphic, classic Disney type of feel to the game that I think does continue to make mm-hmm. the theme strike home. So I think that all together, I think that all brings the theme strong theme through strongly. This is though a game that does require an app in order to be able to do the timer. Now, theoretically, you don't need the app. You can't just use any sort of five minute timer. So it's nothing specific to it. But when you use the app, it does have the voiceover characters that even further the theme more because as I attempted to imitate the open for the podcast recording, um, the character of the walrus caretaker is very well voiced and does continue to help bring home the theme. So all in all, I do think that the theme is very well presented in the game. So definitely worth getting the app too, and not just using an egg timer or stopwatch or something. I do think so. Yes. Someone has stolen my MacGuffin. I'll wait 10 minutes before opening the museum, but not one second longer. (laughs) 
that is an example of the sort of voiceover that the game provides that continues to help with the theme. Okay, yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. It's pretty nice. It's definitely a nice looking app. So I think that's almost blended us straight into the components because I consider the app to be one of the components of the game. It's not used for anything other than a timer. There's no other functions of it, but it's a very nice timer. Um, let's talk about the other components. The biggest component for the game is the codex. So you're going to have these scene cards, which are all these wonderfully illustrated scenes where icons are hiding. And the goal of the game is to work together either by yourself or with everyone else to find the icons that are hidden in the scenes. When you find an icon, you have to slide a codex, which is, I'm not quite sure what you call it, Albert, and I think you may be able to, but it's a barrel selector um, Mm -hmm. where you have a bunch of dials along a barrel and you slide them up and down uh, to be able to lock in whatever your code is. So you'll slide the dials around the barrel to select which of the different variants of the icons you're using. Yeah. I do know what this is called. The official name is a gimmick. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, it's what it is. It's it's pretty darn neat one, though. That's for sure. It looks cool. It looks like this big brass thing, right? I don't even know if you'd call it a gimmick, though, because it has to be something. And I'm not sure how else you would do it more simply, unless you're putting, like, even tokens on cars, I don't know, is more simple than this. I think this is probably the best way of doing it. Yep. I've seen stuff like this at escape rooms where, like, it's a a lock or something, and you have to spin the dials to Mm -hmm. the right face to open it. And and I I have one like that that I got as a present, and you... Flip the dial so you have the letters lined up correctly, and then you open it, and there's a surprise inside. Yeah, many types of locks use this type of mm-hmm. barrel lock. It's not an uncommon thing. Um, but that is mm-hmm. what the codex is. So you're you're swiping those through. There's no other mechanics, electronics in it to be able to check if you're right or wrong. Instead, the way you check if you're right or wrong is when you finished a scene, you flip the scene over, uh, look at the back of it, and match the back the five icons print on the back of it with the five icons that you've selected in the codex. If they all match, then you have successfully gotten a match and found all the right icons. If not, then not. Um, That is the scene cards and the codex cards. The other components included are the suspect cards and the clues and culprit tiles. The culprit tiles, the suspects are all matched. You'll have a whole big hand of them. And actually the game includes, if you get the mastermind edition, some extra red ones so that you can add extra variety um, and more difficulty by having more culprits that you have to determine whether or not are the correct culprits. But for each suspect card, there's a matching culprit tile and you'll randomize the culprit tiles and flip them over face down and then deal out all the suspect cards to everyone. So when a clue comes up, What happens is you will flip over one of the clues from the various stacks, and there are four different types of clues, red, blue, uh, purple, and green clues, or I think it's accessories and skin and eyewear, uh, and I think it's facial features. Um, But you'll go through and you'll flip over any one of them, and you can choose which one of them it is that you want to flip over. The culprit cards, the culprit tiles, and the clue tiles have barcodes that match between one and the other. 
So you'll take a clue and put it up against the barcode in the culprit tile and see if it matches. If it matches, that means that the culprit has that clue thing. If it doesn't match, that means the culprit does not have it. So you'll then go through all the suspect cards and either and find the ones that have it or don't have it, whichever way it goes. Um, and then once you find that, find which suspects are going and keep going to try and get more clues. So are there multiple culprits then? Some cases have multiple culprits. Okay. The first case, as you just heard, is a 10-minute timer with only one culprit. It's gotcha. much easier than in the other ones. But other ones have two or even three culprits um, and other tricks that come into play, like requiring to use red herrings or having to do two, having to do multiple scenes or other, other things. That is so. I think that basically covers the components. Um, there are a couple of reference cards for the different types of clues and icons, as well as reference cards for the cases. If you're using the timer, the timer actually has all the cases listed, so you can select whichever one you want, and it actually in the Walrus voice tells you what you're going to be doing for that case with a little bit of background story for what has occurred, like one sentence long. So I believe that has covered, even at this point in time, I think we've covered the basic gameplay as well. But talking about the components, um, I think I've mentioned before that the idea of the suspect cards, for the most part, it's relatively clear what they have and what they don't. But certainly some of the art is not clear to me whether or not it's saying, hey, this person has a purse or doesn't have a purse. Like, does this thing count as a purse or does it not count as a purse? <laughs> does this count as a monocle or does it not count as a monocle? Um, in general, the basic rule is, is that if you're questioning it, yes, it does count. If they're holding a handbag, that counts as a purse. If they're holding a really oversized wallet, it counts as a purse. If it's something you store stuff in, it counts as a purse. If it's <laughs> the handle of an umbrella, that counts as an umbrella. Like some of these things are, are just sort of a little bit there and sort of reference to be there of all different sorts of shapes and sizes which I suppose makes sense because you have, you know, elephants, foxes, and turtles, all sorts of shapes and sizes in here. But mm -hmm. definitely until I just got confidence with like, stop questioning it. It is the thing. I would constantly question it. I would be like, does this really count? Are we really sure? <laughs> yeah, we're sure. Just move on. <laughs> I could see that causing problems for some people who, who just have trouble dealing with things, you know, just like, oh, I need to make sure I just, you know, I can't take it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it certainly is a thing about wanting to make sure. And you can go through and match up between the culprit tiles and the suspect tiles to sort of determine what it is that they consider it. And I've done that a couple of times. It was like, does this really count as a monocle? Because like, I'm not sure. Is it glasses or is it monocle? <laughs> and everyone else is like, it's clearly a monocle. Like, why would you think it's glasses? It's got the little chain. He only has it on one eye, <laughs> like, but you can't see the other eye. So no, it's a monocle. <laughs> and That's funny. Old, it's a monocle. <laughs> I like it. I like the art a lot too. The the character art specifically. Mm -hmm. The pictures I'm seeing, it looks like um, like a, a children's book from the early 20th century. That style of art that you might have seen, like Goodnight Moon or something like that. So yeah. It reminds me of that a lot. And the colors and everything about it are really similar. Mm -hmm. bright vibrant colors and you should also see like look at the style of art on the scene cards as well i think the style of art on the scene cards is really really good i very much like the way they've drawn those that they've taken a bunch of different scenes so like they've copied over scenes from 
picture to picture. One scene may have like eight different variants of it, but they've still continued to hide the different icons very well across the scene cards. It's, it's really well done and looks really nice. Cool. Okay. There aren't as many pictures that I can find of the scenes, unfortunately. So I have to take your word for it, <laughs> which is probably okay. Cause if, if you have too many of those, that could spoil some games a little bit, I suppose. It yeah. definitely can. I mean, I think that's one reason why yeah. they probably don't have too many pictures of the scenes out there. Because. Yeah. Um, so I think that we've just about discussed all of the components and probably much of the gameplay, but just to make it clear for my opinion on what the gameplay is, it's a pretty repetitive loop between it that you hunt the scene for the icons, dial in the icons, grab the clues, rinse, repeat across all of the different uh, um, difficulty levels. It's all just rinse, repeat for that specific thing. Granted, the game only takes five minutes and granted, you know, the whole stress is of being able to do that over and over multiple times as quickly as possible. But it is very much a rinse and repeat. You can't play this game you know, more like we do play it two, three times in a row, but too many more times that it's, it's going to get a little bit stale. That being mm-hmm. said, when you're in the rush of it, when you're looking for those, it's, you know, it's fun to go on the hunt for these sort of things, especially if the sort of person who's, who likes doing, you know, finding pictures and spot the difference type games. This is the type of game that you would enjoy. And I do enjoy those types of things because you're trying to spot the, you're hunting the picture for find the hidden hairbrush or whatever it is. Like these, those types of games very much are strongly referenced in what it is that they're doing here and the gameplay here. And those are the sorts of things that I enjoy doing. Okay. I, I'm a little confused based on the pictures I've seen and the example of play on the uh, publisher's website. It, you're, you're not looking for the icons. You're looking for objects that are clues, correct, on the cards. No, you're looking for the icons. Okay. But all you need to do is find the five icons t- to solve the puzzle and win. Well, you'll have to do that multiple times. You flip, okay. you, you flip over a scene or pull another scene, and then you have to find the five icons across that scene. If you find the five icons across that scene, and you confirm that you're right, then you get a clue. And the clue is just by pulling from the deck of clue tiles. It's not going to be necessarily what you found in the scene. The scene is the five different icons. The clue is just from a deck of clues, and there's not really a strong tie between uh, okay. the two of them. So you're not the goal isn't really to solve a scene. The goal is to find the suspect, and you solve you find the suspect by getting enough scenes. And this, every time when you play with the same three clues, you can have totally different suspects depending on what you draw. Correct. So when you find Got a it. scene, when you when you complete a scene, you get to draw a clue. And when you draw a clue, you then can use the clues, put them together to figure out who the culprit is. Gotcha. Okay. I got a little confused following all that stuff, but that makes sense. So that's neat. So you're trying to find a culprit and you're using the, you're going through a number of scenes, let's say three scenes. You got five minutes to find the images in three scenes. It's going to take you more. It's usually going to take you more than three scenes, but yes. Okay. But yeah, because you're looking for, because you're trying to narrow down the culprit, but each time you draw a clue, that potentially helps you narrow down the culprit from the list of ones you have. Got yes. It. Okay. Yes. That's neat. That does sound fun to me. It, uh, like I said, it's fun. It very much references those types of, of fine puzzles 
There are puzzles that I enjoy doing, but I can certainly understand how it's the sort of thing that can potentially grow stale. I think mm-hmm. that they do stave off some of the staleness by throwing in the different types of difficulty levels and the different types of scenarios and doing different things with them. But that being said, you know, it, it sort of is what it is. Then again, it is called five minute mysteries. Mm-hmm. So yeah. You're not expecting a lot of depth and strategy in five minutes. Exactly. Yeah. So the scenes that you're looking at, are they specific to each scenario? Or no, they're not. Right? There's a big deck that I mixed in for all of them. Okay. It's it's the museum of everything, I think. But yes, it's just different s- scenes in the museum of everything. Gotcha. Okay. Um, in terms of mentioning how it is plays solo, this is a cooperative game. And when you're playing solo, really, you're just playing on your own. It's the same thing as every other time. Normally, you're playing with multiple people. One person is designated as the person who dials in, and the other people look. There's not a strict rule unless you're in some of the more difficult levels that the person who's looking, who's, who's dialing in cannot look. I personally do not think that that particular scenario to me is not fun because that means the person who's dialing it in has a relatively boring job. Um, Mm -hmm. Otherwise everyone is free to look and just one person is designated as the dial person. When you're playing solo, you do it all. You have to both look and dial it in. But I could see since it's a five minute mystery, you could play, you know, like if you have four people, you play four games and you take turns. Who's the dial in and who's the lookers. Well, actually you rotate around the dial in one game, every single person. So not too Um, bad. (laughs) No, it's not, it's not too bad, but that's, that's only according to that one specific one where you have to not look if you dial it in, which is less fun to me. Yeah. When you're playing solo mode, the game does, I suppose, claim that it needs to be easier. When you're playing solo mode, you only need to match four of the five symbols on each scene in order to earn a clue. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I agree with (laughs) (laughs) This is one of those rules that I feel like makes it easier for solo players because it assumes solos harder. Um, It may be that the game is not used to people who are playing with younger children. (laughs) I don't realize it's just as hard solo as it is multiplayer. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, if you have four eyes looking for the symbols, in theory, you're going to find them faster. Right? You will. It up, but... but I think that it's more enjoyable instead just to play on one of the easier levels to give yourself bonus time or just play on a harder level and give yourself bonus time. But mm-hmm. I'd, rather, I'd rather personally have bonus time than short one of the scenes. And that's just my personal preference, and you can play it how you want it. Mm-hmm. Make it your game. I mean, it is yours after all. Indeed. <laughs> okay. Components and gameplay. We've talked plenty about the gameplay, I think. It doesn't Definitely. sound like it works well with a big group, really, because the scene cards aren't all that big, right? They're like five no. by eight or so, something like that. Is the game even rated at being for a big group? No, well, no it's up to six players. Oh, but That seems a bit pushing it. Six probably is pushing it. Maybe. I suppose it depends on how well you can share a table. Yeah. And, you know, somebody's going to be looking for the symbols upside down. That might make it a little bit harder and whatnot and what have you. It seems like it would work better with one or two people, honestly. Yeah, it's possible. Um, we play it with four regularly, and that's just fine. We've okay. never had an opportunity to play it with six. Okay. <laughs> oh, COVID. 
Oh, yeah. It's almost over, right? That's right here. Yeah, Some right. states are declaring it over. <laughs> Not getting into that here. Instead, <laughs> let me give some final thoughts on 5-Minute Mysteries. And I think I'll just sum it up with, if you enjoy, you know, time racing games, if you enjoy, you know, find the hidden picture, I think that you're very much going to enjoy this one. This is just a repeatable version of that experience. And that is an experience that I enjoy. I and I I enjoy having the time pressure of being able to do these things. I enjoy finding hidden objects. And never have I been able to so distill the core of a game into just it's just that over and over again. And I'm perfectly okay with that. It's a ton of fun for me. Cool. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like a fun game. I, I like it. I like the art. It just sounds it sounds like it'd be fun to play. It doesn't sound like it'll have a a long lasting uh, life um, on the shelf necessarily because eventually you kind of played all the scenes and how many are there? Well, there's how many scenes are there? Yeah. How many scene cards? Roughly like 10 or 50. I'm going to answer after I look. Okay. You're going to be precise. All right. You're going to wait while I look. Okay. I will wait. The audience won't. They might have to. I don't know. I don't know if I'll edit this out. There are uh, 40 scenes, by the way. Oh, are there? 40. You look yeah, in the, in, <laughs> yeah. I'm looking. Faster than me. So I decided I want to find this game because I'm curious about buying it, right? And I went and found it on Amazon.com. And the description <sighs> nice. tells you what's in it. Okay. But there are different there versions, are 40 scenes. right? There's okay. the mastermind version and the standard version. Uh, but yes, I do show that it is 40 scene tiles in the Mastermind and 32 scene tiles in the standard version. So, uh, okay. and of those, it's essentially some of those, um, multiples of those are a scene that is repeated multiple times, but just with different with different icons and different places across them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So so what I was saying before is, you know, with, with just 40 scenes even, I, I think playing this solo after a while, it kind of, know what to look for or where and it just get much too easy it will lose some of its charm so i think it's the sort of game where i'd have maybe. it for a while and then trade it off yeah i mean i don't know i guess but maybe it hasn't happened yeah. to me but again i've not sat down and played it that much i think it's been mixed okay. in with everything else that i've got in my collection <laughs> is it it's a pretty recent game it is a pretty recent game yes it delivered within the past year okay yeah, I received it early 2020. Oh, okay. Or early so, 2021, rather. Gotcha. Okay. So, you know, five months or so at most. Sounds like Neat. That. Okay. So now I know if I want to get this. It's a little bit hard to get, though. It is a little Maybe. bit hard to get right now. As you were mentioning before we opened, um, currently they are out of sale from retail. They do have some copies left from the Kickstarter that they're still selling direct. I do not know if they're going to continue to keep those in stock, if they're going to be doing another reprint of it. None of that information is public right now, but theoretically, if you want a copy of it, reach out to the publisher. They still have some in stock. Yep. And, and as I mentioned, I found it on Amazon. So right now they have it. <laughs> and it seems to be like... It's twenty five dollars, twenty four ninety nine there. So I'm oh, guessing that's, that's a great deal. Going rate. Yeah, I assume that's, that's not the I paid for it. Is it <laughs> okay? Maybe I should pick it up. <laughs> Goodness. Um. Well, very cool. Okay, Julius, thank you very much. I, I I like this game. It does sound cool. It looks really nice. Um. 
I don't know that I will or won't get it. Probably not. Well, don't need to make but a decision I right now. I love the art. We will, we will have to leave that as a mystery for another day. Oh. Have a good night, everybody. <laughs> good night. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.